Ah, oh, for Christ's sake, Anakin! Hello and welcome to another episode of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. We're on episode 10 already. I'm coming to you live to air from Dusky. Yeah, it's kind of Dusky, suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, it's getting the evening now. It's uh, getting kind of darker in the evening, which is, which is kind of nice. It means fall is in the air. Uh, it was pretty warm out today, though. So, you know, where was that temperature all summer? Who knew? Uh, global warming and all that. Uh, not to trivialize global warming. It is a, <laughs> it has a profound effect on our climate. Who knows uh, what the causes of the weather this summer were. But anyway, this is For Christ's Sake, Anakin. We're talking Star Wars. This week we are talking... Uh, I'd like to do something a little different. I'd like to review a few books that I've read in the last few months. Uh, you know, I'd wanted to do that. One of them isn't that new. It's... Uh, the, the Rebels prequel, A New Dawn. I've mentioned that I've been reading these books, but Rebels prequel, A New Dawn, came out in 2014. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> again, you pick it up. I wanted to read that one uh, before season four came out because who knows what's going to happen with those characters and how where they end up. And uh, I wanted to still enjoy it while some of these characters are with us or not. I We have no idea. We know Hera survives, uh, at least till the Battle of Endor. Uh, we have no idea what happens to Kanan. Um, no, so I'm going to uh, my, give my thoughts on, on A New Dawn, uh, my thoughts on Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad, fascinating book uh, that came out in the summer. And then book I... I read recently, uh, I just finished the other day, and it came out on Force Friday, so it was a, a bit of a, a two-week read, uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, and by Claudia Gray, by by the Jedi Master, Claudia Gray, who is a master storyteller. Um, my, my plan there, if you haven't read them, if you haven't read all of them, don't you worry. My plan is to give a bit of a... I think Collider and other places do this. A non-spoiler review first. Just my thoughts. And then go into spoiler territory for them. I'll do all the spo- non-spoilers first and then the spoilers. Uh, like spoiler- spoilers probably given how the old noggin might remember things. Who knows. <laughs> um, but first, uh, I do want to touch on a bit of news. I I didn't want to do a uh, a rogue episode just to... Address the whole Colin Trevorrow, J.J. Abrams thing. Uh, yeah, J.J. Abrams, he's uh, he's directing episode nine. Director of, you know, he brought back both Star Wars and Star Trek to us, and uh, we are indebted to him. I didn't want to do a kind of a reaction rogue episode to that, just because I don't actually really envision this podcast as one that is primarily meant to react to news. I, I want it to be more. Uh, in-depth kind of my musings and my my take and take of others who come on the show just yeah the whole christian parallels but also just deeper philosophical things and looking at the literary narratives and patterns uh, of of the novels and the, the films of course um you know i'm not exactly a literary expert but i i, I fancy myself someone who 
understands a little bit about story, thanks to Star Wars and Star Trek, and uh, how much fiction. Eh, not just that, thanks to the book of the books of you know First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings that I've been going through in morning prayer. This episode isn't going to be a Christian biblical parallels episode, but gotta sneak that in there, um, especially for those who may be new to this podcast. It is both, you know, as the name suggests, a Christian biblical resonances in Star Wars as well as deeper philosophical political themes and just my impressions. And hopefully, uh, you're you're on, along for the ride. Yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully you don't hate it. Hopefully you love it. Um, so, so the news. Yeah, my my first my initial reaction to the news that J.J. Abrams was coming back for our episode nine was, eh. Um, I think we all, not all, but a lot of us wanted Ryan Johnson. Um, but the guy's a human being. Directing a Star Wars is exhausting. Um, you know, putting this much effort, I don't know how George, I mean, with the original trilogy, George Lucas... I mean, he had this, his doctor told him to stop, right? <laughs> um, so, understand Ryan Johnson taking time, be with his family, take some rest. Uh, see you on the flip side, Ryan. Uh, everything we've heard about Episode Eight has been top notch. Um, the reaction to J.J. Abrams was it was meh. It wasn't. I'm not too concerned about whether or not they're they're playing the safe card. Of course they are, but. More that uh, these thoughts, yeah, Christian Harloff has kind of gone into my brain a little bit here, but yeah, JJ, Force Awakens opened a lot of questions, and we don't know what JJ Abrams, the the finisher, is like. Um, One thing I, I worry about, and one thing. Naturally, if you if you've been along on this podcast for a while or see my posts on different Facebook pages or whatever, the thing I worry about is is he still does he still have a prequel allergy? Um, because we we should have seen more of Hosnian Prime, we should have gotten the political context in Force Awakens of who those people on the balcony were and what is this tension that Leia has, you know. If you read books like Bloodline and even uh, you know the the aftermath trilogy, you get that. But there are ways of well, there are ways of first of all appreciating the political intrigue of the prequels as I do. But even if you don't, there are ways of going into it that uh, the, the the Force Awakens just didn't do. So I I hope I mean Episode Eight is probably going to go into a lot more. Uh, they're not afraid of the, the the glam and the glitz. We saw uh, we saw the political version of that in in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. We're going to see, you know, the, we saw we saw the, the Senate chamber and the the Chancellor's office and all that, and how clean and polished it should be. Come on, I don't know why. Nah. Well, this is my worry: is people think Star Wars? Oh, it's all and to be this gritty, quote-unquote, lived in. If you're talking about the... Uh, this is a rant. Open rant. If you're talking about the you know, the halls of power and the corrupt allure of the halls of power, they should be kind of alluring, don't you think? 
they should be polished. They should be clean and 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 nice and comfortable in both in a in a realistic the realistic way in which power is clean and nice and comfortable and deceptive in that way. Um, and so the thing, you know, Kento Bite excites me about episode eight, <laughs> frankly. I'm I'm really excited to to see that. Yeah, we're gonna see the glit the the, the grit and the grime of crate in other places, but I, I hope that continues in episode nine. This is end red. <laughs> I hope JJ Abrams is actually willing to give us more backstory. I'm fine with an interesting, I mean, a cliffhanger of the sort that we saw. If it, if there is more of Revenge of the Sith than Return of the Jedi in Episode Nine, that would be fascinating to me. I mean, it'll be heart it would be heartbreaking if Ray fell to the dark side, but or, or someone else we love fell to the dark side, but you know, some way of segueing into or opening up yet another trilogy, more films, but. Revenge of the Sith still ended a story. It was still the end of a trilogy, and it was a masterful, dramatic end of a trilogy, I would say. Uh, especially, you know, and it, it helps that you read, you re- watch the Clone Wars series and read Plagueis and all that stuff, and you're able to see it through the eyes of a kid. <laughs> um, see the prequels through the eyes of a kid. Um, I hope J.J. Abrams actually gives us some meat to chew on. Because Force Awakens, it wasn't a rehash of New Hope. I don't, I don't buy that. But it was a bit on the milk side. I think I, you know it wasn't. It was. It was. I don't hate it. I'm not bashing it. I loved it. It was great. But you know, we're gonna be spoiled by Episode Eight. <laughs> we're already spoiled by some of the things we, by even the trailers, the trailer that came out. And so I hope JJ is willing to give us that. That's all I say. Anyway, that's my one response. Um, the the other bit of news we got was that it's going to be pushed to December of uh, 2019. Yes. And, yeah, I, I'm, I've come on and said, I think they pushed to push your hand solo to 2019. I'm all for that. Um, just take the time and give us a good movie. I'm, you know, time will fly. There are, Hate to break it to you guys, there are other movies to watch. We can we always have the Blu-rays, and there's always going to be Star Wars content for those of us who are craving it. Star Wars just owns December; it's just nice for those who actually get a Christmas break. And I hope to God I'm kind of busy around Christmas, but um, also shortly after, maybe you know have, have the opportunity to see it with see episode episodes eight and nine and. Uh, Hans all with friends and family and Christmas. Go inside. It's cold out at <laughs> least here in Canada. So, so that's the news. That's my reaction to the news. Um, you know what? What? Let me know in the comments. Let me know what you think of it all. Um, I'm sure if you're if you posted on on Full of Sith or the Collider Facebook page, then you've probably already shared your your views. But that's great. Share it again. Um, so, uh, how am I Star Warsing? Just briefly, uh, yeah, I finished Leia. That'll be 
That'll be kind of an extended How Am I Star Warsing. I finished the Leia novel just the other day. Um, it's the first thing I do. I did when I buy or what first time I've bought a book and basically cracked the cover the next day. I like to with comics. I wait till Monday, usually Saturday or Sunday or Monday to to open them up and give them a look, give them a read. This came out on Force Friday. I was at the con. I was actually on the Saturday. I was actually uh, waiting. No, I was, yeah, I was the Rebels panel, waiting for the Rebels panel in the, the, the screening. Um, was going to start reading, got talking to some awesome uh, uh, Eli Vento, an awesome Eli Vento cosplayer. There's a good nod to another book, amazing book, Thrawn book. Um, so really started getting into it, oddly enough, in line for the Star Trek Discovery panel. Um, so, yeah, I, and then I just finished it the other day. Um Hell, else am I Star Wars? Yeah, I. This isn't exactly Star Wars, but I, you know, I, uh, I'm fairly, you know, just basically just about done watching all the MCU films in order. And the one comment I'll say there is, you can tell uh, before and after the Disney takeover <laughs> happened, right? I mean, anything Spider-Man, anything uh, Peter Parker says, he's gonna. Both times he's around, he, there's huge Star Wars references there, but. Before, with uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, there's <laughs> a funny thing where the suggestions to watch, for Steve Rogers to watch because he was frozen in, spoiler alert, frozen in, in, for, for, in the North for 50 years. Uh, there's, well, on the list is Star Wars, and the Wars is crossed out and says Star Trek. <laughs> and uh, you'd bet if it was a few years later, they probably wouldn't annoy Star Trek fans like that, but... You, you can be 100% sure they wouldn't make that gag <laughs> anymore. Unless they're trying to be ironic and wink and nod. Um, but House of the Mouse, they're, they're doing doing great. I'm really excited for uh, all the MCU films. Definitely better than DC. That's all. Star Wars podcast, Matthew. Um, yeah, well, speaking of Marvel, I just started reading Neil Gaiman's Eternals uh, the other day when I finished Leia. That's going to be pretty great. Um yeah, yes, that's kind of got a full time job. It's pretty busy, um, so it's a temp contract. So not too much time, but here I am. I'm Star Warsing by talking to you guys about novels, and uh, let's get into it, guys. So talking about a new dawn, uh, Inferno Squad, and Leia, Princess Falderon. So the spoiler, the non spoiler versions. Uh, non-spoiler review, a few thoughts. So, A New Dawn was, was yeah, it was the first one. It, I liked the way they built up some of the characters in the supporting cast. That was that was actually pretty good, pretty realistic. Um, you know, the, the develop, character development was believable. Transformations we see in... Um, a neat glimpse into let me count the premise. I'll give away at least the premises. How Kanan and Hera meet. Um, that's interesting. And it's interesting to see how different Kanan is in Rebels from the way he was before. And even the way he was in the, in the comic. Kanan as a kid as Caleb Doom. Um, 
Bacon, yeah, there there is a good natural progression that John Jackson Miller does does give us, uh, at least as a step on the way in between from Surviving Order sixty six and what we see in Rebels. Um, the the style the writing was wasn't as good. <laughs> How do I put this? Some some places were were pretty good. The way you know thoughts and characters and and whatnot, but. Some parts, the uh, like you you think you know what the author means when they're describing something, but then all of a sudden something else has happened, and, and, and yeah, the, the way seeing things, some things were blocked out and described wasn't that clear. So it's a good, it's a good first sort of welcome to the new canon, welcome to these characters, and yeah, um, welcome to that part that chapter in an empire before the rebellion really i mean for an organized rebellion which is an interesting thing to look at um so that was kind of my, my non-spoiler i don't know how much more in depth my spoiler review will be but uh see what happens the yeah battlefront 2 inferno squad um yeah very very well written i mean uh yeah. Uh, yeah, Christy Golden, she 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 knows what she's doing. Uh you know, very much getting into the characters and the the risks of being a spy um for the Empire. <laughs> and and uh yeah, there's uh yeah, I'll I'll just say this. There there's a twist uh, the twist itself was spoiled for me, but that was kind of like uh, by the title of a YouTube video, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, but it, it was interesting. It was kind of like reading uh, the book twice, or the set for the second time, but for the first time. Unfortunately, it meant that it was kind of focusing on when the spoil would be revealed. Maybe it isn't him, or maybe isn't, or isn't isn't this person, or whatever, or isn't that thing that happened, or. Or whatever, maybe it's something else entirely. Who knows? But um, no, it, was, it makes sense for sure. Um, and so <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to do without spoiling things. But um, yeah, so definitely worth a read, especially if you're gonna get in, go watch the go, go uh, play the Battlefront Two. Uh, Play go you know, play Battlefront two on, on the video game rather I should say, um, makes those. I, I'm I'm not much of a gamer myself, but I'm really intrigued now to play the makes those characters come alive in a deeper way, um, and so that was fascinating. Uh, Leia, Princess of Alderaan. This is the freshest one in my mind. Uh, it changes the way you watch A New Hope. It will affect the way you watch episode eight, uh, the last Jedi it's called the road to the last Jedi. Uh, it's part of the, the road to the last Jedi series, which is interesting. I mean, it's set so far earlier. It's set three years before, uh, before a new hope. It's Leia. She's 16. Um, it's, and this is being said elsewhere. It, it has elements of lost stars, but Claudia Gray, Again, she know really not that she's doing. Uh, has elements of 
of Lost Stars in the young adult kind of teeny romance thing. But uh, has a lot of bloodline too. And, and some nods to bloodline. And uh, really, you know, gets at the politics of, of, of the rebellion and whenever you, again Christian Harloff said something about this you know, whenever you're dealing with Leia you're getting the politics uh, and that's 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 true so definitely of the three books I, I definitely recommend uh, picking up Leia Princess of Alderaan first and then I, part of me wants to go and watch New Hope and <laughs> can't wait to see some things in episode 8 um so, so those are, those are my recommendations. Battlefront Two, pretty great. Uh, you know, I'm not all into the kind of the spy military whatever genre, but I mean, for Star Wars, yeah, this is an excellent book. Um, New Dawn, decent introduction to to the characters. Um, yeah, hints at some things that may actually come to fruition in season four of Rebels. So. I'm, I'm all for... I'm going to recommend you read everything. Soak up everything if you can. But of the three, yeah, go for Leia. Um, so that's that's been my non-spoiler review. Hope you, you liked it. Uh, if you want to go read the books and sign off and listen, come back and listen to this again, uh, yeah, I, I, I won't take it personally. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, if you want to... Keep on keeping on and, and hear me kind of spoil some things. Yeah. Uh, sit tight. All right. So, A New Dawn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I said. So, the Empire before, without the Rebellion. At the, at the dawn of the Rebellion, a little bit. I mean, <laughs> the, the title itself is, is a little cheesy given oh a new dawn like what's going to happen to this planet <laughs> when it's uh it's binary is destroyed by the empire and is able to rotate okay so a little bit of an obvious image of okay so here's Kanan joining with Hera Hera who's already been connected to the rebellion by being a Sindula, <laughs> uh, daughter of Cham Sindula. So, uh, you know, the Twi'lek rebels, uh, leader of the, you know, leader of the, the, the rebel among the Twi'leks who, yeah, really great. I haven't read, um, it's, it's the Lords of the Sith yet, but that, that should be a good, good way to look into, yeah, uh, Twi'leks in the Empire confronting the Empire. We have Twi'lek confronting Cham confronting the Separatists in Clone Wars. So, so Hera, yeah, she's pretty committed to the cause. Um, we we didn't see much of any kind of tension with her family, but um, we because we don't really get much of her backstory. I mean, we don't get much of Kanan's backstory either. I mean, if you want that, read uh, read the Kanan comic, which is excellent and takes place in my favorite era of the dark times just after order 66 um but Kanan, yeah he it makes sense like i said that he's a scoundrel he his choice 
to after leaving after the Jedi Order is destroyed is to drink his sorrows away and bury his horse gifts naturally because you get killed or turned to the dark side to be a force user in the Empire but bury you can see him burying part of who he is and in these moments where it sneaks out like in the cave where he has to use the force to save uh, to prevent it from collapsing on his friend and on everybody um, even even how he hides his lightsaber in uh, a scope a rifle scope case these kinds of little things where it's hidden but it's always with you your past is your Jedi past is hidden but it's always with you and uh, he tries hard to bury it. Um, interestingly, this is the, both this and I, re- I read the the first main book of the Bane trilogy, Legends Bane trilogy. Both of them start with uh, kind of ne'er do well uh, force users who are taking up mining. Um, of course, Bane goes in one direction, and we know Kanan ends up going in another direction, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're both brash, they're both uh, kind of gutsy, and, and, and pretty, and, you know, and Kanan, he's, he's looking up for number one at this point, and along comes Hera, and I was actually surprised at how much they went for it here with the whole, with Kanan being Really attracted to her and really was kind of instantly, kind of instantly smitten <laughs> and um, surprised by that because they don't go for it at all in Rebels. They've kind of hinted it out in the trailer um, for season four that they're gonna and some other moments, but well, but they they really he really goes for it. I mean, it isn't the same. He he has this kind of flirty thing going on with her. That she has no business for business with and doesn't have any time for any of his nonsense because he is nonsense because he's a scoundrel. So Hera, yeah, and she's really committed to the cause, really professional, um, and as professional as we see her in Rebels, but not maybe not as motherly, which is interesting that she hasn't quite acquired a crew yet, and this is part of the process of her acquiring a crew and maybe maybe she has been caring in the past um but this she doesn't currently have people she's she's a an agent to kind of scope out information on uh on the big bad guy that we get who uh it was an interesting twist there too um but of course gets caught up in what the Empire is willing to do to this this planet that's being mined, this beautiful crystalline planet. Um, it's another example of Empire willing to exploit and uh, rebels fighting back, exploit the planet. I mean, maybe they kind of, you know, aside of a global warming before, but you know, that's to the fore. That's there in that the Empire, it's all about what can feed their engine, their machine, 
rebels are fighting for a deeper relationship with the planets they live on, planets the people live on. And, and, and this, I mean, the, the planet itself in question is uh, very much a work of art in a way, uh, a natural work of art. So, uh, you it's pretty interesting, interesting to see Admiral Sloan have a big role. She's kind of fallen off the map a little, yeah, well, actually, if you read Empire Zen, she's literally fallen off the map. <laughs> um, spoiler alert there. But, uh, well, I haven't really gone into what that means, but, um, it's interesting to read, because she was, she was a big deal back in 2014, and it's interesting be interesting to see if she comes into play um maybe yeah further on i won't this isn't the spoiler review for empire zen so i'll leave that there but uh supposed to say yeah i'll leave that but um yeah she she's a bit also just like in empire zen she's a bit more of a simple in the aftermath trilogy she's a, a bit more of a sympathetic imperial in that I mean, yeah, she's pursuing the Empire's interests, but she cares more about honor and duty. And she isn't kind of, isn't the slimy uh, overlord um, techno guy, who the, the bad guy. Um, and so, but, but yeah, and so she deals with him well and, or she, 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 she plays her part well. Let's say that um, she advances. She uh, knows where the winds are going, um, and then yeah, the the big bad guy. Um, that was that was a neat twist, actually. Say so he was this kind of this um, you know mad scientists in the empire. Scientists in the empire. They're kind of seen as as tools by the 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 generals and the moths and all that and you can see how that affects this one guy who who loses it and becomes the type of guy who he becomes this baron of this well literally baron but this uh oh yeah a, a civilian leader of a, a this corporation of course corporations in the empire that serve work with the empire have are pretty high up he's angling really to to be in the inner circle and um of course you know as, as being the bad guy the the heroes get their comeuppance and or win up in the end um it was that was that was a well done twist to find out he was he was the scientist and becomes the cyborg really popular business guru basically and yeah uh, I like that. Again, on the writing, I think mean, just again the way. Yeah, I mean the dialogue was fine, but the, the way some of the scenes were written, like you think they were climbing or, or standing in a certain way, and then something would happen that oh that doesn't make sense. How would that happen? That they would be standing. In, I don't. I can't quite remember any kind of details there, but yeah, it wasn't the best written. Um, not like it was difficult to read, but. Uh, then again, recommend read everything, especially with Rebels uh, season four. Rebels coming to an end. It was a good way of seeing where they come from, where Kanan and Hera meet. Um, 
and, and, and how Kanan ends up uh, saying, all right, I'll join this group. And I will, you know, take up the cause and, or, you know, if anything, if anything, just for something to do. Of course, you see by, by Rebel Season 1, he's well past that. And he's embraced who he is as a Jedi, at least as a Padawan still. Uh, wait till season, yeah, season two, uh, where he really embraces who he is. A fantastic episode in the Lothal Temple. So, so that's my, my review of A New Dawn. Uh, Battlefront 2, Inferno Squad. Um, yeah, so I'm watching Janina Gavankar, uh, hype this book up. Like, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll read it. And, and I read it. I bought it pretty close to its release too, and I read it fairly soon after. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. Again, so the twist at the end. This is the, I'll just go for the twist right now um, and get that out of the way. You know, Lux Bonteri, Yeah, it it makes sense, it, it, and it, they did it really well. It's just that I every time the uh, the mentor speaks, thing. Oh yeah, okay. He's talking about Saw and Stila, the time on Onderon, and all that. And yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Um, and my my attention kind of was focused on him more than on uh, the main characters, and um, more 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 than on Iden a little bit, at least in those scenes. And that was a little unfortunate, but it might have been anyways. I mean, like, who is this mentor guy? Who's he talking about? I probably would have caught on pretty quickly, especially when they started talking about uh, about the Guerreras, and I think it mentions meeting Anakin or, or meeting some, meeting fighting with Jedi and, and meeting Kenobi and all that. Possibly, believe. Um, what I like the best about this is the, this, and I'll get talking about Leia too. The way it ties into Rogue One I mean, it is is really fantastic, and a new hope. Um, I mean, well, the best part was seeing things through Aiden's eyes, seeing you know another very sympathetic Imperial in that she's all about duty, all about the order that the Empire brings as a good, which is just something that uh, I mean, even in the Marvel movies. Are, are are bucking against um, I mean, Star Wars, of course, bucks against it too, by and large. But uh, it's interesting how I was just thinking about this. You know, the main this morning we watched Doctor Strange yesterday and watched Guardians two and uh, seeing how Hydra came about, did it, you know, wreaked its havoc and um, the type of havoc the Hydra wreaked and of course with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet with the Borg with with the Empire itself the great evil the great terror of our modern imagination is an order imposed from above interestingly enough it isn't the chaos of the great evil of previous generations was the chaos of individual wills run wild and it's interesting how two things are interesting how generally pop culture have just swung the other way, but also 
Star Wars is actually starting to do this weird sort of hold on a minute. There are some people for whom order and discipline and uh, the cause of, I mean, promoting peace even in this way actually is meaningful. And, and we see that with Sloan. We see that with Iden Versio. We see that with her father, Garrick Versio. And, and that was actually the best thing about this is this book was the relationships. Like, I mean, you know, New Dawn had some pretty good relationships, but Inferno Squad relationship and the, the very human elements you wouldn't expect in a <laughs> imperial spy novel where this group has to infiltrate the remnant of the uh, the partisans, basically, the dream, called the Dreamers. Very human, but these very human moments, and that as they all pair up, and Iden pairs up with the mentor, and, and that you know, and, well, in one case, it is the the teeny bopper romance again, pairing romantically, but um, another case with. Uh, the engineer and the engineer, and um, you know the pilot and the pilot, or and whatnot. That it's almost kind of the reverse of well, it's similar to even what we see with Kanan. It's what we've I see with Darth Vader the whole time <laughs> is the human within. It comes out, and it's interesting that when Iden is making her speeches against the Empire because she's infiltrating this group and uh, needs to actually really sound like them. When you really believe her, you really start to believe her. And she really does actually, and I do believe that she really does learn to trust, learn to like the people she's infiltrating, her enemies here. She, they, uh, you know, the, the group really learns to like the people and bond with the people they've, yeah, all paired up with. Uh, with the with Sane, Sen, Sane, and, and the boy, I don't think she ever really becomes romantically attached to him. But she does go back and try and save all these people and, you know, try and, you know, we, we get this interaction when she, it's a spoiler review, when she dies, you get, just before, you know, we have this moment of, I have this photographic memory. It's going to be a horror. Um, what's interesting, you see a human flexibility in the Empire, even when it's hinted that uh, Admiral Versio told uh, Iden's mother the truth about what she was doing because that would have devastated her, of course, right? It did devastate her. And it's fascinating that it it devastated her mother that Iden would be a rebel. Um, her mother's an artist. and So, yeah, it's the very, you know, we we know in the way Janina Gavankar has, has talked about that acting, doing the motion capture and, and performance for for the video game, she's very disciplined. And, and I think the first words of the book are, about discipline, but I mean the friendship between her and uh, the the other character. I'm sorry, I'm not too great with names at the moment, but 
very much a there's actually room for these human relationships among loyal Imperials and um, you know yeah the relationship between Knight and her father is is difficult because it is still a lot about what gets earned and what attention gets earned and what doesn't and um, she has a mentality where she doesn't want to try and earn anything and has to fight against this whole uh, you know, oh people are just she's just advancing because she's the daughter of an admiral well no she she fought her way and she worked her way up um, but even that's interesting in that we see that human that humanity um, and so yeah it I mean it makes me want to I, I immediately read it immediately watched the trailer for Battlefront 2 again story mode I'm even excited for it. I'm I'm tempted to buy it, and I don't know. I don't have a PlayStation Four, but tempted to. But I'm definitely going to watch some walkthroughs of the story. Really want to follow the story with her because uh, this is a fascinating character, and it, and this is and it's set right. This is set just after Battle of Yavin, and she's at the she's flying a Tie Fighter. She's a Tie Fighter at the Battle of Yavin, and sees it blow up. Sees the Death Star blow up, rather. To, of course, the, the trailer and the video game on it. She's on Endor, and she sees the second Death Star blow up. And to see what she believes in. Almost. Here's an interesting parallel, right? I mean, she believes in the Empire the way Kanan and Obi-Wan then believes in the Jedi. It's a similar question of what do we do now? Um, I'm pretty sure she goes off and joins the First Order. Uh, she's one of the few who's given the the green light, given the codes, given the location. Um, because she's awesome enough and because it's kind of hinted at in the trailer with the Sentinel and all that. <laughs> um, but I'm, I want to see... That's the thing. Is I'm looking for what are her choices as a person, not just as an Imperial spy and Imperial special forces, but as a person. And that's what, that's what Christy Golden brought us to and did a fantastic job of telling the story of weaving it in with things that have come before and things that have, that are to come in the Star Wars universe. And then finally, so that's my review of Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad. Yeah, definitely give it a read if you want. Um, especially, especially if you want to play, the, if you're a gamer and you want to play the game. Um, Battlefront 2, unlike Battlefront 1, isn't just going to be bang them up, shoot them up. It's, I mean, they're spies, they're special forces. And so, sure, they're going to have military missions, but, I mean, it's just, it's the human story that they're going to tell. And I'm really convinced they will tell it. Um, I won't, I, I won't say it as, as forcefully as Junior Gokar said it, but, um, yeah, give that a read. Uh, she even voices the character, voices the audiobook, and give it a listen if, if you're so inclined. Um, I was going to, I bought the book instead, but give it a listen, give it a read. So Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Um, again, 
If you're gonna pick a three, if you're gonna pick, I'm gonna make a bold claimer. If you're gonna pick one book, Star Wars book to read, maybe this is just because I, I just finished it. <laughs> one Star Wars book to read out out of all the books that were released in 2017. Um, of all the things, all the different things that wanna they're talking about the rebellion and talking about the Last Jedi and the the First Order and Resistance conflict. This young adult book, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, because Claudia Gray, yeah, I mean, she knows even even the, the, the sappy, cheesy young adult romance, teen romance thing. And my reaction to that was, I, I, a conflicting reaction, probably is, I just can't relate to it very well. Uh, I, was, I wasn't, I thought, oh, come on. But she helps you relate to it. She she really goes into the mind of what's that like, what that's like. And I mean, if I'm ever in position to do youth ministry, I might even uh, read that. Uh, oh, okay, that's kind of what's what some of these kids are, are thinking and experiencing and feeling. And um, because I mean, it's set within this context of. A lot of things that young that young people experience of even with a loving loving parents um, the feeling that on the the edge of becoming an adult and like, I want to take responsibility and help contribute to the world but I'm inexperienced and I you know I try and go help a hundred uh, people on on Mobani and it ends up halting progress for thousands and uh, you know I try and uh, establish trying to benefit uh, an imperial benefit a planet by stopping for an imperial academy and the planet ends up getting exploited you know uh, these this really and, and this very telling line that Leia tells her friend Annalyn Holdo, Holdo. Um, you know, it's not just about good intentions, it's about your actions. And that's the lesson that Leia herself learns as she uh, does these three challenges. I mean, uh, even, the way, shoot, I gotta, I gotta, even the way that those scenes were written, the beginning and end, where she enters the throne room and stands before her parents, who we see all these tender and conflicted moments throughout the book, and making this claim, yes, I will be queen of Alderaan one day. Um, oh, there, I, I can't pick out one best thing about this book. I mean, the best thing is the way we get, we see Leia become the, uh, I mean, one of the greatest, you know, certainly, well, well, I don't want to just say one of the greatest female characters and female leaders. Certainly one of the most important characters in the Star Wars saga. Easily. <laughs> I don't think you can debate that. Um, see her becoming the leader of the general that she she will be one day. Um, and that's that's fascinating how it is the road to the last Jedi. Right? She when you see where she comes from as a leader, I mean the last Jedi we know she's she's the head of the resistance. She's the general. Um, she's got her friend. I believe she's got her friend Abel and Holdo 
Admiral Emmeline Holdo by her side. Uh, pretty sure. I they were talking about how she'd be, how Holdo might be uh, a spy and whatnot. I really, I, I don't think the way they've set up this relationship where, <laughs> I mean, Emmeline never grow up, please. She's out there. She's goofy. She, she believes in uh, comparative astrologies on different planets and, and, but also, but in a way that brings it up in a way that's very sensitive to the force and to the living force, especially. And, and they don't explicitly go into it too much. They go into how Leia is, has these instincts and abilities, sometimes able to make these leaps and, uh, just know these things. Why? Well, because we know, because she's the daughter of Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> um, but we never, we never really seen her engage the Force before, um, on screen or in any medium. Uh, speaking of things we've never seen, I mean, again, it's again all about relationships, and I mean, this is the only time we've, as far as I know, certainly. The only time in in the new canon where we've seen Bail Organa relate to Leia, and, and, and as a father to her, um, I, I have watched the the review of this on Star Wars Explained and said he's a good source for this. It's, we've seen more of Bail Organa in this than anywhere, even in Legends, um, and yeah, we can also see how some of some of what Leia's strength and conviction um, and tenderness in that come from in the way Brea is is torn by the and everybody is torn by this but we see with this with with Brea especially I think the need to stand up to Palpatine and support the this rebellion and well do a bit more than support it <laughs> um it's real in this book but also i mean this is what you know that we we understand for example what leia's love interest romantic interest kiro Domati, where he's coming from that and it weighs on brea too weighs on leia well of course it weighs on all of us knowing what, what what's going to happen how do we pr- maybe protect all their own as the sanctuary we see more of Alderaan. I mean, that's that's what's fascinating too. I mean, shoot, even if you have read it, right? Read it again. And if you're listening to the spoiler review, still read it. And you haven't read it, read this book because um, we see just how rich and and not idealistic, not utopian it is. But there's something of an ideal in the in its society. I mean, it isn't. I mean, it's a non-elective democracy, which is interesting because what we, you know, in our world, we have illiberal democracies where you can vote for your legislature and your parliament and you have some free speech, but not too much here. I mean, there probably is an elected legislature on Alderaan, but it's, it's a hereditary monarchy that actually exists to serve the people. And it's this anti-Palpatine thing, right? I mean, the Republic in its day, at the end, in its in its heyday, or in its twilight, rather, became in a liberal democracy that just slid on into being the empire. Alderaan is a liberal non-democracy, if that makes any sense at all. Um, 
maybe maybe not. Maybe you can critique that and say, well, in practice, uh, that might not work just because power corrupts so easily. But and like I was saying at the beginning, I mean, the glitz and the beauty of the way the Claudia Gray describes the royal chamber and the way the light comes in and the way you can see the mountain, the Penza Peak in the background and. Um, yeah, it, it's still lived in because we see who lives in it. Um, what's interesting is part of the palace is very much shared in public. It's a public library. Yes, it's a private royal library for 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 the queen. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's all it all fits. It all works. It's like we want this, and I'm not saying we need to get rid of Dennis and our liberal institutions. Our democratic institutions is not the answer, but we have leaders, and if only we have leaders and they make choices on our behalf, that we have some not much say in anyways. If only they were willing to be more attentive, and it starts from there. Um, you know, and, and grasping the character and the the trust of the people. <laughs> so we see that with the, with the Royal House Organa. Uh, and we actually see it for the first time. Um, and so, that was interesting. But, and, I mean, another little great tidbit, I mean, I loved, of course you know I would, <laughs> the uh, going to the moon of Naboo and seeing the queen and off Panaka <laughs> and how he, he recognizes Leia for an instant because she may well be wearing Alex Damon and Star Wars explained hinted at this. She may well be wearing uh, the same dress that her birth mother wears at the celebration at the end of episode one. And he does this double take and and it's interesting he and then he gets executed by Saw's Saw's rebels, which is another wonderful tie in because I mean this may be okay, this may be my personal favorite. Um, so Darth Plagueis the novel takes a few lines from the opening crawl of episode one and uh, you know the you know, a few lines from there the taxation of traitors takes you know the Palpatine's line of mire the Valorum is mired in baseless corruption no, takes a few lines and spins an immense incredible novel out of it Leia Prince of Alderaan takes uh Mon Mothma's point in the in, in Rogue One, uh, where you're debating, talking about with Jin, needing Jin to get them to Saw. We're all rebels, aren't we? How Saw's caused some problems. Well, we see exactly what happened there. <laughs> uh, at least we see the the rest of the burgeoning rebel alliance say he's gone too far. He's crossed the line. Um, it's only three years later. We also see Bale's line to Mamothma. Mamothma's involved in a lot here. We see Bale's line to her when she asks, do you need someone you can trust to take, to go get Obi-Wan from Tatooine? I would trust her with my life. He says that word for word in the book. Um, we, we Colony Gray just expands on that and builds on that, fleshes it out. 
there's an inter- interesting tension, right? With Bale does not really want her to get involved for her own safety, maybe because war is dirty and she wants he wants the future queen to be uh, certainly more peaceful. Um, but yeah, it's interesting then how Mothma becomes her main support and her main champion there, and Leia's main champion, and. Uh, what we see, I mean, we see in Empire's End, in, in life that in Empire's End, how even that relationship has tension. And um, you know, we we don't know where Momoth is in The Last Jedi, but where she is by then. But uh, hopefully she wasn't on Hosnian Prime. <laughs> um, but. Uh, it's interesting just to, to know very early on for well that my mom was a bit of a mentor and then became she became an equal Leia became an equal um again I mentioned Emil and Holdo yeah it's interesting so and in the book she's described uh, as wearing all this crazy clothing too and her hair color is changing in the photo when she's you know a good deal older, she's got the, the red hair and very stately dress. Interesting that they didn't show her in a uniform. I wonder if she even wears a uniform. Again, I don't think she's with the First Order. I don't think she's a spy. I don't think they'd set it up in this novel so clearly as being one of Leia's closest friends. What may well turn out to be one of Leia's closest friends throughout her life especially uh, in rebuilding the New Republic and even when things go south with Ben. We don't know. Um, there's a reason she's in this book. <laughs> uh, yeah. And she she's definitely a wonderful character. Uh, so, uh, yeah. If you're going to pick... I, I've said this on... I put this on the Full of Sith uh, Facebook page. Um well, I haven't said this part in that. If you're going to pick a book from 2017 to read, read this one. Oh my God. Leia's, inter- I, Leia's relationship with Tarkin and those interactions too. Right? How she keeps her calm. And it's pretty clear from A New Hope that this isn't the first time they've met. Well, we see the first time they met and it's she doesn't keep her cool. <laughs> but her parents do, thankfully, in an interesting way uh, by pretending not to keep their cool. Um we see, but we see later how how steely she can be with this evil man. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it, all these things. It, it, my my point here is, and what I've said, it, you know, Bloodline it, it was great. Lost Stars is Claudia Gray's best contribution to the Star Wars universe. Um, Bloodline is very important, especially to what we know with Force Awakens. Um, it gives that political context that I mentioned oh, about an hour ago. We're talking about J.J. Abrams. Um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, may well be her most important to date. Because and I, I, de- I tend to judge importance of of a novel, or of, of a Rebels episode, a Clone Wars episode, by how it affects we understand the saga. <laughs> This 
book shows us, well, it shows us how did the rebellion get all these ships. Well, they had the royal purse of Alderaan funneling money. It makes perfect sense. Of course they would. Of course that's where they get the money. Um, and of course it harkens back to Bale helping out Ahsoka the, the good 16 years before. Um, it shows the tensions in the the rebel alliance with, with Saw Gerrera and the partisans. And, you know, Mon Mothma's commitment that she says in, in Parzan to Leia, we're trying to build a government. We're not just a rebellion. You know, not New Republic. And the, the struggle of the New Republic to actually build a government inspired by the leadership that the Organa has shown that we see in Leia. Again, I mentioned how it shows where Leia became this great leader and her, her origins there that we might we hope to come see to fruition in The Last Jedi, um, which, of course, as we know, sadly will be likely be Leia's last film because Carrie Fisher passed away. This is I mean, the first Leia content, really, after Carrie Fisher's passing. Um, it, you know, affects even how we watch Force Awakens and even hints about her becoming a parent and... I think Bale said, may you never experience the loss of a child and whatnot, but we know she does with Ben, so it becomes Kylo Ren. Um, all these touch points, all these things that you know, latch on to the rest of the saga um, show us just how important Leia is to all of this, and we unfortunately get in the danger of forgetting it, and Claudia Gray just simply will not let us. <laughs> and so very thankful for that. Thankful to Christy Golden and John Jackson Miller and all the Star Wars authors who who put out and share us their talents with us. Um, so that's been my, my thoughts about these three novels. Um, I think <laughs> maybe one day, one time, to... to Thoughts on the horizon for for future episodes. I make my solemn promise to you, my listeners, that I will do a what I hope for in a look back on Star Wars Rebels one to season one to three, and look forward to season four. I'll do that. It comes out in a month, so I'll I'll do that closer to the time. I'd like to do a Claudia Gray episode talking about those three novels. Um, I mentioned again a lot about the character of Leia, uh, and you know the role of young adult romance and Lost Stars as well. Way more than a romance, of course. I mean, Mom Mothma shows up there, <laughs> and of course the Rebellion shows up there. Um, but for now, you know, again, if you haven't read Leia, even if I've just spoiled a bunch of stuff, go read that book. Um, and thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing with my. Uh, my thoughts and my plug nose <laughs> um, and yeah thanks for coming on it's the 10th episode um, not counting my, my rogue episode there 10th episode this has been this has been a good ride and uh, I hope to keep it going and I will keep it going thanks to folks on Podient for uh, hosting for free always an excellent thing you should Go check them out at podiant.co. 
here at fcsa.podium.co where you can listen to all my episodes previously. Um, so this has been For Christ's Sake, Anakin. Thanks for listening. May the Force be with you always. <laughs>